word of the Lord, 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we have observed his star at its rising, and we have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. And then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. And when they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh and having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod they left for their own country by another road this is the word of God for the people of God thanks be to God amen will you join me in the fourth verse of silent night as a chorus of response Amen. You may be seated. So imagine you're sitting down with family and friends. You've got, let's say, a nice cup of hot chocolate steaming in your hands. Maybe you've got one of those candy cane stirring sticks in there. Fires crackling in the fireplace. Everybody's cuddled up. The kids are being good. And you're in blankets on the couch watching your favorite Christmas movie, Die Hard. Or How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Or You're a Good Man, or The Charlie Brown Christmas. That's a good one. You're getting right to the good part. Suddenly the movie is interrupted by a breaking news alert. A reporter pops up on your screen with a this just in. I have word from so-and-so that somebody might have heard somebody think that somebody said something that leads us to believe that there might be a controversy, a crisis, and a conspiracy. We know nothing about it, but we thought we'd let you know so we can give you your opinions and give you ample time to share all of your opinions. We'll be back in when we have more. Signing off from your favorite news station, your favorite reporter, Merry Christmas. The movie comes back on and the credits are rolling. 
There is nothing like the interruption of constant, constant news to suck the joy right out of Christmas. Am I right? Could just be me, but it's a little exhausting. And this is how I feel, almost exactly how I feel, when I sit down to open my Bible and read the beloved Christmas stories. And there I find, in the middle of the Christmas story, King Herod. Listen, King Herod is a bad dude. He's vindictive, he's deceitful, he's violent, and I don't like it. Can't we just, can't we just get a break? Just leave the controversies all behind until Christmas is over. Just long enough. Just give us long enough to have those warm, fuzzy feelings of Christmas Day. I mean, don't we get enough of it already? Does the Bible have to pile on controversies of crazy people doing crazy things too? Right in the middle of Christmas. I just want to skip that part. I'm the preacher, right? I can read whichever part up here I want to, right? I I just want to skip it. Just, let's just move on to the good stuff. Hey, Herod's bad. Uh-huh. There's wise men. They're wise. They're great. Oh, and let's look at the presents. I like presents. What about baby Jesus? I like babies and I like Jesus. Let's just skip it all and get to the good parts. Part of me wants to take King Herod and toss him out in the recycling bin with yesterday's headlines. But there's this nagging part, a uh, voice in the back of my head. It says something like, Jim, remember, the Bible doesn't waste words. And so as much as I want to focus on a great and wonderful Christmas, there's a a reason that Matthew wants us to know Herod's role in this Christmas story. Now, I've got a plan here, though. I can easily just explain this away. Let me put on my nerdy biblical studies glasses. I can explain this away just like this. Everybody, Matthew just wants us to know Herod's role in getting Jesus from all the geographical places that he went and how Herod played a part in fulfilling these Old Testament prophecies. He's a bad guy. Don't be like him. Let's move on to the good stuff. That would be easy. That would be super easy. It would be maybe a little boring, (laughs) but it would be easy. And we could just move on to the parts that we like. But we're not off the hook that easy, I think. I'm not happy that Herod found his way into Christmas, but we can't just say, hey, look, everybody, Herod's a bad guy. Don't be like him. Merry Christmas and move on. You see, I think the the Bible gets a little bit pesky about this. The Bible wants us to do a little bit more work. All right, we'll do a little work. I think... Part of the purpose here is for us to ask ourselves, how do I see a little bit of Herod in me? How do I see a little bit of Herod in me? So, thanks to the gospel, we have to contend with Herod here at Christmas time and the parts of ourselves that might be a little bit like him. Yay, Merry Christmas. Here's your uplifting Christmas message. But let's do it. King Herod the Great. He was great. That's why his name was Herod the Great. He was also the king of the Jews. Not, but not really. He wasn't really king. He was a client king, a puppet king of the Roman Empire. This is what happened. Uh, Rome needed somebody to keep an eye on Judea and Israel, and Herod was eager for power and up and coming, so they thought, hey, let's, let's pick this guy. So the Roman Senate, off in Rome, 
conferred on Herod the title King of the Jews. And so he waltzes back into Jerusalem and says, hey, guess what? (laughs) The King of the Jews. But you know as well as I do that being a leader is more than having a title. And Herod was in no way the rightful king of the Jews. He was not an ethnic Jew by birth. He was nowhere near fulfilling the requirements of the natural-born king. He was an imposter king, and he knew it. His power and control had a shaky foundation at best, but he did everything he could to hang on to control. And Herod was real good at hanging on to control at all costs. So let's say somebody thought that they had a claim to the throne of the king of the Jews. Herod would simply have a nice conversation with them. No, no, Herod would kill them. Let's say there was a murmur of an uprising out in the public square. Herod might go out and and assuage their fears. No, no, Herod had secret police that he would send out to put down the uprising before it even began. Herod even had three of his own sons assassinated because they married into a rival family. Yay, Herod. Herod had built himself a safe little kingdom, and he was in complete control. Until some strangers from out of town show up and ask just a bothersome question. Where is the one born the king of the Jews? That's kind of ironic, isn't it? Hello, I'm the king of the Jews. I'm in the throne room. Can't you see? It's me. It's kind of like it reminds me uh, that irony of when it was early in our marriage and it's just Amanda and I living at the house and you'd have a salesperson knock on the door. And I'd open the door, and they'd look at me and go, Hey, can I talk to the man of the house? Hello, it's me. I know I look 12, but I grew a beard just for this. It's me. This is ridiculous. They'd look at me again and say, All right, maybe I'll come back tomorrow. (laughs) But it's not just that irony that they're asking for the king of the Jews and they're talking to him that's a problem for Herod. It's that... It's that little word, born. Where is the one born, the king of the Jews? That certainly is not Herod. His greatest fears had just come true. You see, if ever anyone was going to be able to wrestle power from him and take his seat on the throne, it would be the one who was rightfully born to be the king of the Jews. If word got out, quiet down, wise men. If people hear this and it gets out, there would be no way that Herod would be able to control the upswell about all of this. And you can just feel it in his reaction. You can just feel his insecurity. He's like a cat backed into a corner, clawing at everything, just trying to get out. He secretly conspires He weaves a nasty web of lies. He resorts to espionage and he resolves to murder just to hang on. You know as well as I do that when Herod tells those wise men, hey, go find this child for me. Come on back so I can worship him too. Herod is not going to go worship that child. He wants to kill him. And not only that, probably his family too, and probably the wise men who know too much. Listen, Herod is a bad dude. And the rightful king has been born, and the imposter king is in a mess. 
little baby Jesus has threatened Herod to the point where once again he's making dark and evil plans and traveling down that road. Little baby Jesus. Herod's a bad guy. But we can't just dismiss Herod. We're supposed to see him. And we're supposed to see if we can find any bit of ourselves in him. Now, admittedly, that's a, that's a tough ask because Herod's pretty horrible and you all look like wonderful people. Nobody in here is that bad. But I do find myself asking a pretty difficult question. Okay. When my fears come true and I feel backed in a corner, don't I feel that same urge and temptation? Honestly, if I think about it hard enough, I think I can understand where Herod's coming from. I mean, I know that nagging fear in my own mind that things are not quite as secure as I've tried to make them. That my little kingdom, that the way that I built up my life, it's fragile and could come crashing down at any minute with a phone call, an event, something outside of my control. And I know those temptations to, to cling to control and Sometimes it doesn't matter if it's light, dark, black, white. I just want to do whatever it takes to maintain control of my own little kingdom because it's scary when those foundations are shaken. I mean, I wonder if you know what I'm talking about. I mean, how many times have you been tempted to just one little white lie just to make yourself look a little bit better or to protect yourself from a situation? I mean, it's not really a big deal, is it? Until, no, right, yeah, no, not at all. I'm going to start turning around and preaching over here. It's not a big deal until one lie requires another, requires another, and then before you know it, you're so far down a road that you can't turn back. That's Herod's road. What about, how, how often are you tempted just one little indiscretion, just one little thing to protect my reputation or maybe get a little bit more of what I really want in life? I mean, nobody will know, and after all, it's not wrong unless you get caught, right? So I hear, so the police don't tell me. And we forget that wrong is wrong even when no one is looking. There we are on Herod's road. And the reason that we have to contend with all this at Christmas, I know it's not super comfortable. I know we all want happy, warm, fuzzy baby Jesus. But the reason that we have to contend with this at Christmas Jesus himself wasn't fuzzy. I saw you laughing. He wasn't fuzzy, I'm sure of it. But we have to contend with this at Christmas for the same reason that Herod did. Because listen close. Jesus' birth has consequences. Jesus' birth has consequences. Christmas is not just the warm and fuzzy feelings of a new birth. Christmas is about the rightful king of the universe coming into the world to take the throne. And that means that every imposter king has to move over. Herod, me, you. As much as we have built for ourselves, as much control as we think we have, we are not the rightful kings of our own lives. Jesus is. And his birth means that we've got to let go of our kingdoms and hand them over to God. And that's not always an easy thing to do. Oh, it's easy up front. But when we also have to take the crown jewels out of that deep, dark part of our soul, the part that we've got a tight rein on, it's hard. 
And sometimes it can hurt a little bit. And that's where we have a choice. And when we have those last little things that we're clinging to, that last little bit of our crown that we won't let go of to give over to the rightful King Jesus, we have a choice. Will we hang on tight and walk the road of Herod with all of his dark deeds and sin? Or will we walk another road in that moment? Because you see, the Gospel of Matthew tells us about another road. Right there at the end of the passage, it's the road that the wise men take. They take it from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. It's the road that leads to Jesus. It's the road that leads to bowing down and worshiping Jesus as the rightful king. And it's the road that they go home by after they have worshipped the Lord. You see, what happens is the wise men go and they find Jesus and they worship him and give him gifts fit for a king. And then God graciously sends them a warning dream. Don't go back to Herod. He's going to get you. And they won't go back to Herod. They won't go back the way of the imposter king. They won't participate in Herod's evil scheming as easy as it would be for them to do. They won't go home on Herod's road. They're going to walk home by another road. And that is a road for them that is protected by God. That is a road of light. That is a road of life. They go home by another road. And that's our opportunity too, because the king has come. He may not be grown yet, but he has come. And when we stick to Herod's road and cling to our crowns and do whatever it takes to hang on to control, or will we walk another road and bow down before King Jesus and give him reign over our lives? It's a road towards light and a road towards life. Now listen, this year is an interesting year. It marks the 200th anniversary of Silent Night. And so what we've done here in church each week is after we've read the scripture, we've uh, sung one verse of Silent Night. And uh, I have to admit, I sounded fantastic. No, it was awful. I'm, I'm so glad y'all were back here. Uh, but what we sang this week was in the fourth verse, and we sang, Alleluia to our King. Alleluia to our King. Y'all, that's a little dangerous. We sang praise to Jesus. We said, Jesus, you are king. And quite frankly, that's pretty good news. Because that means that Jesus rules the world and I don't have to keep trying. That means that Jesus has got this thing under control and I can rest in him. Because we all know, listen, it's not always fun to wear our own crowns. We're not quite good at it and we know it in the back of our minds. And we've all got this anxiety in the back of our minds about how we can lose control and what can happen. It comes with fear and it comes with those dark temptations. But hallelujah to our King. We don't have to carry that anymore. We can put it all down and let Jesus take the throne. And then we can let the pressure of trying to rule it all and keep it all together, we can let that roll off. The anxiety and the fear will roll off and we can walk in a road that leads to life. So here's what I'm going to invite you to do. The next time that you feel a temptation to cling to something that Jesus wants to take control of in your life, the next time you have a temptation to walk down Herod's road to hang on, I want you to remember the last few words of Silent Night. Alleluia to our King. Christ the Savior is born. Just take it. The melody is, makes it so easy to remember. You know it. Just pause for a minute. Remember it. And use it as an opportunity to recenter your heart 
to Jesus, I am casting my crown before you. You are king. And today, once again, I give you authority in my life. Just stop for a minute. Hallelujah to our king. Jesus, I'm casting my crown before you. You are king. And I once again give you authority in my life. And just watch as over time, it gets easier and easier to let go and to let Christ reign in you and through you and around you. And then you will discover the great and true meaning of Christmas. Because Christ, our Savior, is born. Christmas has consequences. Christmas has consequences for the dark parts of our lives. But that's okay because the cost for the great joy of our salvation, don't fight it. Welcome it. Welcome Christ the King. Give him all of your worship. Bow down before him and walk another road in life with the wise men. The road that is free from fear and filled with joy and on the way to eternal life in Christ's kingdom. Alleluia to the King, Christ the Savior, is born. Amen. Will you pray with me? Our Father, we thank you for the great gift of Christmas that includes the fact that the Christ the King has come to take his throne in this world. And there's somebody here today, Lord, who knows the weariness of hanging on and trying to do that all themselves. Somebody here, oh God, who feels so anxious because the things that they've built up in life, their control is slipping from their fingers. God, speak to them this morning and show them another way to let go and let you reign. Father, we cast our crowns before you today. For Christ, you are King. And today, once again, we give you authority to reign over our lives and our church and your world. We thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And it might be that today you want to lay down a crown. you got something you've got control over and you want to give it to the Lord. You could set it right here. You could come and pray at this altar for the Lord to reign in your life and to receive all that you want to let go of. You could come and let it go today. You might say, wow, I do want Jesus to be the king of my life because I'm not doing as good a job as I thought. And you could profess your faith in Jesus Christ and become a Christian, a follower of his today. We would invite you to do that. God invites you to do that. You might think, I know this story, but today I need to recommit myself to stepping off the throne and letting Jesus back on it. Today, you could make a new decision to recommit your life to Christ. It would be a glorious thing for you to do. You can come and pray as we sing our closing hymn. But you might also say, this has been an amazing day, and I feel the Lord calling me to be a part of the mission and ministry of this church family. You might decide that today you want to join this church, become a member through the profession of your faith, the reaffirmation of your faith, or the transfer of your membership from a church you may no longer attend. We would love to be your church family, wouldn't we, everybody? Yes, we would. The invitations are yours to come and pray as you feel led. I'd invite you to stand and sing.